When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got The Assist, picking over the wreckage of our respective Game Week 3s, looking ahead to Game Week 4, rather lustily actually, after quite a downward Game Week outcome. I'm Tom, I'm here with a bit as usual, and here, after one of those po- here for one of those pods where self-inflicted frustration is indeed the order of the day, so it won't be the first beer tonight. <laughs> I'm joined by Sam as always, you're right mate. Yeah, all good. Yeah, I'm a bit like you, a little bit frustrated with how Game Week 3 went. And when I first signed up to be a part of this pod, I always knew that eventually I'd have to come on this pod in a little bit of a rubbish mood because of a bad Game Week. Luckily, though, it has been Bank Holiday weekend, so I've had plenty of fun outside of the world of FPL. So I haven't been licking my wounds too much. Hopefully this pod will help clear the air and get everyone over what seems to be a pretty bad Game Week for quite a few people, especially people who made the decision we did to get rid of Bruno. But <laughs> for the time being, we can forget about that and move on with the show. Uh, we are Who Got The Assist. On today's pod, we will have some introspection from Game Week 3, picking apart what went wrong, what went right, and what we can learn from potentially our mistakes in Game Week 3. Uh, our contemplate should be a really good one this week as well. So we're taking a look at the midfielders, whether Sterling is indeed the pick of choice this week, whether we should be looking at other midfielders and indeed which midfielders we're even happy to sell at this point. Because a lot of the ones on the chopping block might not know, might not be on the chopping block anymore. So that should be a really interesting section, especially for me personally, because that is a move that I need to look at making. Uh, we're also going to take a look at some behavioural science around the Sterling performance, a bit of I told you so is going on at the moment. So it'll be interesting to assess the behavioural uh, science behind that. And then we'll also have a look at the defensive questions in game week four and beyond as well, with quite a few defences, not quite as solid as we thought they might be, and a few question marks over which the best defences to target might be moving forward. Finally, we'll have a look at the bowl claims. We are on the board, one of us, or one of us uh, as a three, (laughs) including the community, are now on the board. So... uh, at least we're getting up and running in that. We'll take a look at our game week four bowl claims as well. And then finally, we'll wrap up with some questions from the community and take a look at our teams ahead of game week four. We're recording on the bank holiday Monday. So all the games are done. So we have final game week scores. And uh, yeah, hopefully you've all enjoyed your bank holiday. And we're here to welcome you into the new working week once more. 
Oh dear, this sounds very ominous, doesn't it? Hello, we are the start of your working week. I mean, normally it's kind of like, you know, you got through the first day. All right, here we are. Now it seems like, oh, we are the portum, which leads you back to the orifice. But never mind. Ah, game week score, Sam. I think we've got to talk about it. Obviously, you know, I think a lot of this is sort of panto, um, but rank doesn't, FPL doesn't matter. <laughs> you might be able to hear my daughter screaming behind me. You know, that's what really matters. Like, FPL doesn't really <laughs> matter. And, um, you know, at the moment, Rank doesn't matter really. I mean, but you're so early on it, and um, but if you've had a bad week, um, you've had a bad couple of weeks. I know those people haven't had a bad week, and you know, well done for continuing the momentum upwards. For us, there's been a bit of a check on that momentum, although last week was kind of actually quite poor. And um, we both got forty. Uh, I've got forty-one this week. I know you've you've scored two more. I think Samuel forty-three. Um, yeah, and that's basically right. that just came down to um, going through with what we were talking about last week. So I, in the end, I did sell uh, Bruno for Bumo, and obviously now I feel a little bit silly. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute um but yes it is it was uh, it wasn't the best uh, it wasn't the best game week for a multitude of reasons um and unfortunately ollie watkins uh, and martinelli who have the two main differentials uh, weren't able to do anything uh much so watkins another customary assist uh, mm. five another five points so if he keeps going at this rate sam he's gonna be doing really well to be honest isn't he what's that it's five times 38 what was that 190 Pretty much points, 100, points, 190 yeah. points for the season if he keeps yeah. up this rate um and then Marcelli sadly uh, blanked again, and he may be on the dropping block. And you're very similar, weren't you? You did get a bit lucky, though. Yeah, so there was fortune and misfortune in what happened. So I I don't know what came over me, but on the th- Thursday evening, I got this sudden wave of Fodenitis. I really wanted him in my side. And all of a sudden, I, I came to terms with the idea of losing one of the Man United assets, even though all week I was talking about how much... I thought holding them for one last week just to see where the land lies after their good fixture against Nottingham Forest to see which one is the better sell. I, I started looking at my team, I think, and I was thinking I'm selling Bruno in game week four anyway. Um, so why am I not doing it now ahead of Foden against Sheffield United? Obviously, at this point, we had no idea Foden wasn't going to start against Sheffield United. Very frustrating that he didn't. Um, obviously, not through any fault of his own. It sounded like he had sounded like he had a stomach bug. Um, but obviously looking at my bench for any of you watching on YouTube, you can see a doggy's 12 points stuck Ooh. rooted firmly in the first bench slot. So I was very excited with about 10 minutes to go in that city game. Obviously Sheffield United got the equalizer and it forced their hand a little bit. So Foden came off the bench. Luckily did get a pretty jammy assist. To... <laughs> just, just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> Um, so luckily got away with it a little bit more than I might have. Otherwise getting that one pointer from Foden would have been really, really brutal as a swing. Obviously Bruno got 12 points. My first bench got 12 points. So I thought I might get away with it and just about be saved. Um, but no, it wasn't to be, I fully deserved it, um, for making what seems to be quite a panicky move last minute. I, I got the stars in my eyes over Foden and I got rid of an asset I thought would do quite well. So that yeah. is on me and we'll assess Bru- the Bruno sell a little bit more, but it doesn't look like a great one considering he had another good game week of underlying data and obviously got the penalty as well to supplement the assist. So yeah, didn't feel too great, um, but 43 no. slightly ahead of you. But like you say at the moment, it's all so um meaningless in terms of the rank two points is yeah. nothing at the end of the season yeah 
I mean, Sam, on, on the Bruno thing, I need to just reflect on the irony that I wrote a whole thread on how penalties are actually pretty impactful in FPL. Uh, the, the outcome of that, I looked over the last five seasons and worked out that you should expect three to four penalties uh, a game week, uh, for a penalty every 3.65 games, I think it was. And ironically, that's kind of what undid me this week because obviously through the, uh, if, for example, Bumo had scored and Bruno had only got an assist, then I'd, I, you know, I'd, I'd be looking great. And the same, same with Foden. Like, it, it's very kind of, it's one of those where it's very much framed by the outcome. Mm. But it's always more galling. Um, in, this is kind of one of the reasons why I don't, I don't really get too bothered by FPL anymore. It's always a bit more galling uh, when it's your own decision, which has led to the poor outcome. But that, that can be kind of the thing that really can get to you if, if you are kind of of the, of the mindset that FPL still upsets you. Um, as I said, very endorsed, no, we're not focused on rank. But I think if this had happened in game week, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus, then I think I would be a little bit more emotionally affected. Like if it did sort of, you know, curtail my progress. I'm really sorry if my daughter's really loud, by the way, listeners. So I know she's <laughs> screaming. <laughs> I just, I mean, I sold Bruno in the end for similar reasons to you. So transfer planning, I wanted to kind of to be more aggressive this week. <laughs> so um, I know hindsight makes this all look a bit silly. Um, and I kind of thought, well, this week, maybe I'll look at two City players for, 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 for uh, the Fulham game. Um, so the transfer this week, I needed to just free up some funds. So I had 0.5 in the bank. Uh, Bumo and Brentford look good to the eye. As we mentioned last week, uh, Bumo's non-pen XG was also good. So uh, yes, you could say, oh, were you blinded by the penalties? Um, sorry, Sam. Uh, but um, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it just wasn't the, ca- it wasn't the case. Like, we looked at the non-pen stuff next but last week, and he did look pretty good in that. And as you mentioned last pod, Sam, um, the premise was that if Bruno's assistant is probably going to be Rashford who's scoring. At least that's what we were thinking. And also mm. there's EO cowardice that I think both of us sort of ended up kind of getting latched onto that uh, selling Rashford would hurt, but selling Bruno wouldn't really. And that was kind of reflected in the fact that, yes, we did take red arrows, but the red arrows were nowhere near as big as they could have been if we told Rashford and he had then scored double digits. Um, Yeah. So it felt safe. um, But ironically, I guess, you know, there's one thing I have asked myself in retrospect this weekend. um, And that question is, would I have done that move last season? Um, if I was kind of you know, on a, during my, my my really good period in the middle, which kind of ultimately got me good rank, would I have done that? And I think the answer is no. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it, it, this all sort of comes back um, to things I've learned in the past about fine manager, uh, fine margins, and what the good managers do. And I think this time I didn't adhere to that, and that's my kind of introspection there. Uh, and there, yes, there was a penalty. Um, but the SGI still shows what it shows. So I think, ironically, as a result of all of this, like it, it's it's a case of a lesson being relearned, and it's time to sort of refocus on the sort of the core tenets, which got me the good finish last year after a few years of floundering around. I mean, do you feel the same? Does that make sense to you? I know you didn't sell Bruno for Bumo, but does the sort of the sentiment behind that chime with you in any way? Yeah, it does. And I think from my point of view, it's more about the the reason I think it's more of a mistake is I always try to tell myself don't sell an asset that you don't think is a problem. And I, going into the week, I didn't think Bruno was a problem. I didn't think he was a, a hard sell. He had great underlying data. He was looking like he was on the cusp of getting points. And I, I think I just got a little bit distracted by the, the grass is greener. I wanted the shiny yeah. new object, especially yeah. with the fixtures. And I think hindsight is twenty twenty, So it's easy to say now it was a mistake at the time. Foden we thought would start I think he would have played 90 or at least got like 60 plus if he wasn't ill and we could be looking at a completely different scenario here but at the end of the day 
I try to play FPL on removing my weakest link each week if I can. And Bruno was not my weakest link. He wasn't a problem. And yet I was just trying to force something a little bit too much because of the fixtures yeah. play. And I think that's what's really frustrated me about my decision-making this this previous week. And I can also see it potentially being an issue this coming week as well with the likes of Martinelli, Matoma. They're not really massive problems at the moment. I, obviously, Matoma's looking a little bit peripheral on, on the left right now. And Martinelli hasn't looked fantastic, but... They're not huge issues and the players we're buying in are fixtures plays alongside other factors as well. So I think it is a a week-to-week situational call that you've got to make and you've got to live with the decisions you make. So I'm not going to disregard it as a complete mistake that I had no logic in, in going down that route. However, Bruno has looked fantastic for three game weeks and we've got seasons worth of data to suggest that he is going yeah. to take long. So I am a little bit gutted that I made that call and forced forced my own hand when I didn't really need to. Yeah, there's something called action bias, which I think probably yeah. under, under underpins all of this is the need to to act, to do something, to change things up if you feel like uh, you want to change the situation. We, we didn't have a terrible game week two. We have a bad game week two. And I think kind of what happened potentially was that we were both kind of looking at it thinking, hmm, you know, where can we make that leap? Where can we make that jump uh, mm. next week? Interesting, there's the other side of it as well. There's inaction bias. So when you're kind of too conservative and, you know, you, you're kind of always kind of geared towards not doing something about a situation, whereas I'm more of a person who does something about a situation. Serves me well in life, but potentially not that well in FPL a lot of the time. So I was speaking to um, FPL Sports Science on DM uh, just this morning, actually, and he said that he was lamenting the fact that he didn't sell habits to Sterling because obviously uh, he was thinking, oh, I'll be conservative, get one more week. So he was kind of the opposite side almost. Right? I was lamenting what I did do and he was lamenting what he didn't do. Um, mm. And it's, it's really interesting. There's two sides of the same coin there. But yeah, I completely um, appreciate that. And I think it's definitely one of those things where, you know, we all wish at times we could go back, turn the clock back, wake up again at the day when you did the transfer and know that, hmm, all right, maybe this isn't the best thing to do. But as I said, I think it's it's, it's, it's an important thing to just bear in mind. And it, for you and me, it sounds like it's both kind of reiterated to us are the way we play FPL and maybe this move this week and it's maybe good to get out get out of our systems early on to be honest mm. but the, the move this week was one which kind of went, ran contrary to the way that we like to play which is admittedly quite boring but you know what I mean I think this is, it's a good thing that has happened I'm trying to put like a, a, a silver lining on this cloud um, <laughs> and you know there we go um, yeah I, I think there's there's, there's every, every kind of um, chance that I buy Bruno back um, by game week kind of five or six uh, I think game week six onwards isn't it they've got good fixtures again so hey I think that's kind of what we'll see yeah don't get don't get entrenched in those mistakes like if if you need to get him back get him back and it's certainly a a move I'll look at making in the in the coming game weeks as well potentially if he continues in this way um shall we move on to contemplate for today yeah let's do it so contemplate we've got that I think it's it's a wider midfield question there Mm. is obviously Sterling as the core man there's also James Madison and and there's a lot of kind of questions swirling around now that I think the majority of people do have two free transfers I know that a lot of people are tripled up on Chelsea already so Sterling may not be kind of the answer to the question so we're going to try to widen it a little bit further we will discuss obviously Chelsea too and whether you know one swallow makes a summer in terms of them whipping Luton who with all due respect to there for the parachute payment 
payments, it seems like at the moment, and maybe they will improve, but that's kind of the, the impression that I got a little bit. Uh, we've got a few questions here as well that we're going to try to eke out answers to as we go along the way. Uh, Nate Jacobson, who's your favourite pick in midfield out of Ezzy, Madison, Foden and Sterling for the next six games? He does own Foden, he says, but he's trying to swap Odegaard around for one of the mm. other three. FPL on side, he asked similar question. You know, he's our players like JWP and maybe Rodri in the mix. Um, City Extra reported uh, online uh, as him saying that with Kovacic behind him, he can now play in a more advanced role. So maybe there's something for him there out of nowhere. And Carl Brody, uh, I guess, boils it down completely to the, kind of the, the, the big question, but we will discuss with those other guys too. Uh, if you have to pick up one of Sterling or Madison for your team, which would you pick? So, I mean, should we let's take Sterling? And I know, as I said, that those people do have um, free Chelsea already and are likely to have Jackson if you don't have Sterling. Should we, should we just take Sterling first, Sam? I mean, I, th- I think we've got to kind of uh, we mentioned hindsight bias a little bit. And um, I think in, within that sort of co- the context that I've, I kind of put that on the, the running order was that apart from those who put their money where their mouth is, so big respect to the likes of FPL, Fran, um, Jan Batra and co. Um, apart from that, I, I listened to a fair few pods last week. And I don't, I didn't hear any other content creators extolling Sterling's virtues. And I think this is one where we've got to put our hands up a little bit. And so, yep, yeah, you know, we noted we, he was on the radar to some extent. So preseason, we said he had the biggest drop. You know, is he this year's Rashford? Um, but because of one performance, um, to some extent, I mean, it's not entirely because of one performance, um, we are kind of still now looking at him a bit more than um, we would have done if he blanked, for example. Um, so I, th- I think that's kind of where it is with me, but there's kind of, we're all now kind of, we've got to kind of cover ourselves by saying, you know what? Yes, there is an element of hindsight here because he's now on the radar. He's on the thing, but that's what the contemplate's all about. Um, mm. And Sterling, Sam, I'm guessing he's one who's now in your, in your, in your crosshairs as a potential transfer him. Yeah, he's certainly in my thinking and it will come down to which two of three midfielders I'm looking at this week. And Waymo's still in the conversation because I still don't have him. But Madison on the graphic and Sterling both look like fantastic pickups at the moment. Sterling, like you mentioned, I don't think any of us would really be mentioning him if he hadn't returned in a big way against Luton. It is important to note that it's Luton and Chelsea did dispatch them with relative ease. They won't be playing Luton every single every single week, and we're yet to see just how bad <laughs> Luton are really, because they've played they've only played two matches, and both of those matches were against strong opposition in in Brighton and Chelsea. So maybe we're overegging the pudding slightly on how bad Luton might be, but my instinct mm-hmm. is we're probably not because they look quite open. Sterling does look like a player rejuvenated in this new system. Poch seems to be getting the best out of him. And Poch is really big on fitness. So I was listening to Above Average um, FPL earlier today. They were really commending Sterling's minutes prior to his Chelsea move. And it's actually something I didn't really notice about him at Man City. The amount of minutes he was getting when he was starting was like 80 plus every single week. His average minutes were 88 per week over a season um, when he was starting the match. So this guy is a fitness monster. Poch absolutely loves that. So he will get really good minutes in this Chelsea system. On that right wing as well, he looks like he's cutting in. Obviously, he did it fantastically well against Luton. Won't be going up against a defence that will buckle at that every single week. But the next few fixtures are really positive. So yes, there's hindsight bias cooked in a little bit here, but Hmm. in a way it's quite nice that we we've seen him do it now to remind us of his talent, because this is a player that 
can regularly hit 200 points. He did it three three seasons, I think, at City. He hit 200 plus. He's yeah. got a 35 return season in him. 18 goals, 17 assists, I think I saw. So this is a guy who knows how to find the net, who knows how to create chances for others and should be, at his age now, a leader in that dressing room. So I think Sterling mm. on it, and he looks on it, could be a fantastic pickup at 7 million. Despite the fact that there is hindsight bias, there, there are great fixtures to come. Let's not... Let's not yep. avoid him just because we think Luton's out of the way. I think he's still going to be fantastic value for money. It's just whether yep. he's better value for money than some of the others, Mbwemo, Madison, um, Mitoma even still, um, and, yep. the, and the likes of Rashford's um, Arsenal boys as well. Certainly. I mean, he's definitely shown signs going back to Bastia. We've got, we've got three game weeks, you know. Um, mm. Good in the first half versus West Ham, I'd say. I think that's yep. the first time many of us... Um, eyeballed him and said, you know what, he's looking looking like he fancies it a little bit. And obviously Flourish versus Luton, who, as I said, probably aren't uh, going to cut the mustard in the Premier League. And uh, Did you see Ryan Giles's heat map, who was nominally defending against him? The guy wasn't even in his half, his own half, mm. quite a lot in that game. Hindu Monkey brought it to my attention. It's simply hilarious. You know, you've got acres of space behind him for Sterling to exploit. They simply won't play Luton every week, but they still have, you know, Forrest, Bournemouth, Filler and Fulham over the next four. Um, so, you know, it, it's a bit of a gamble, I suppose, a bit of a forecast forward that over those kind of next four games, at least, and you know, they've got a decent run for a little while, but they're all going to be players, they're all going to be kind of matches within which I'm going to be expected to sort of return against the price. And you've got the pedigree we spoke about last week. I think for, for, for you and me, and um, just to address Jackson owners, Big thing for me, at least, I know you're looking to sell this guy immediately, but I'm, I'm looking to try to keep Watkins. Um, obviously, three assists in a row isn't exactly what I wanted. Another frustrating performance, missing two big chances, one in particular, second half straight down the throat of Trafford when it probably should have scored. Mm. And uh, also deprived of a tap-in when Zaniolo lets the shoot into the square yeah. later on. But I'm happy to trust in him, you know, as maybe I should have with Bruno. Um, so all of that means is that I'm not on Jackson, and I don't want to do the team surgery to get Jackson in alongside in a 3-4-3. So that then leads me logically to think I want another Chelsea attacking asset, which then kind of, you know, we left it a week this week, um, the week just gone. And uh, I think Sterling's one who's put his hand up. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, okay, you, you can think a bit further beyond it, but I, I'm okay with that. And um, uh, adding to um, above averages stuff, um, I also pulled out a bit of very old data uh, when I was looking back at this. Back in October 2020, I did something called the Explosiveness Index, which counted players mm. hauling, um, hauling, so scoring over 10 points, and exploding, scoring over 15 points, and looked up the last kind of three seasons back then to see kind of who topped that. And Sterling was the most explosive player when he, that was back in his Man City days, reflecting the, the data points that you mentioned about past seasons. He mm. he had eight um, over 15 hauls in three seasons between 17-18 and 2021. Um, so I, I guess it's kind of one of those where you're kind of, yes, okay, there's the element of hindsight. You know, we've had a, a really good game here, but the fixtures are there. We've got a player who i mean does the fixtures beget form does a positive performance beget form that's the gamble you're going for and i, I can understand when people especially if you've already tripled on chelsea you you might you might be thinking you know what i don't really need to worry about it you know it, it was luton or, you know, the swallow doesn't make a summer uh, but for us in the position where you can get sterling 
then I think that there's definitely a really positive sort of spin you can put on it. Uh, as James and Planet FPL always says, pick your narrative. And I think it certainly does make sense here uh, with Raheem, especially at that price. I mean, that's that's obviously great. Um, but I mean, do we think he's back? I, I, it's one of those where you've got to really yeah, be, be, you can only really come to a decision on that, a conclusion on that kind of in 10 weeks time, can't you? Really? Yeah. And by which time it's too late because the fixtures have already been and gone. So you have to kind of make a call now. Um, like, like Luton for me was a Jackson audition. And even though he scored, he did he did look lively, but he looked raw. And I saw nothing to suggest that I should have him over Watkins. So I'm not let, I'm not getting rid of Watkins um, ahead of Liverpool without Van Dyke either. So Watkins will yep. stay for me, no question. Um and and so Sterling, because I'm not tripled up on Chelsea, becomes a viable option. So it's whether or not at seven million, there's an outside shout he could be on pens. I mean, I personally doubt it, but it's not impossible. Um, and he looks like he's going to be one of the key men in that Chelsea attack. So with the fixtures, I think having a Chelsea attacker, and I'm not counting Chilwell because even yeah. though he is effectively an attacker, a lot of us already have him anyway. I, w- I want two slices of that yeah. pie. Having Sterling does seem quite helpful if you're not going to have Jackson. And because we're already on Watkins, you're obviously happy with him. You're his number one fan. I'm probably his number two or three fan at best. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to hold Ollie Watkins. The returns will come. Yeah. Because I'm not going Jackson, Sterling is high in my mind. And it is yeah. really a, a, a battle between him Madison, who's on the screen, and Mbwemo, who, again, he didn't return this week, but I'm a little bit worried about him every single week. His EO's up at 50% now um, around our rank, and he could get a penalty any given week. So, And the fixtures are still good, and he goes up against Bournemouth, who look like they're playing a high line. He could exploit that really easily. So it's... I'm, I'm sure Sterling will do really well in the next few weeks. It's just whether or not I think he'll do better than some of these other really good options. So I guess that's the the dilemma here. At the moment, I think he probably does because he. I, I feel like what I was saying last week about Bruno actually rings more true for the Sterling versus a Foden dilemma, yeah. for instance. He is much more weighted towards goals. And I think he's he's looking to be Chelsea's top goal, goal scorer this, this year. He said it himself in the post-match interview. He wants to beat the likes of Jackson for goals this year. So he's going he's gonna to be eyeing up returns whenever possible at 7 million, 7.1 now. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, lo- he looks great value. So it's going to be hard to avoid him this week, I think. Certainly. I mean, so while you've got Sterling there with about 550,000 transfers in, um, you've got Madison as well with 400,000. And he's sort of the, for some people, the eye of the raw. Um, I think for us, it might, for me, it might be both. We'll come on to Could that be. later on. Um, mm. Madison, um, I think just to, to spool back a tiny bit, Spurs in general are really interesting. Yes, very, very early data. Um, one thing I did notice uh, on FBref was... Uh, two particular stats, so progressive passing and pro- progressive carry. So the middle of the road for you know, team uh, non-pen XGI, but with Basuma and Papsar in that midfield as kind of functioning as kind of the, the, the double pivot midfield engine, however you want to describe it. And they're actually second overall for progressive carries at the moment, uh, which is going to be Basuma. 
I think, when he carries, and fifth of aggressive passing. So they, they're really getting into those positions as a team and kind of uh, lurching forward as a team. And Ange said when he was appointed that he that he wants his teams to have the ball and that he wants to play entertaining football. And at the heart of all of it, of course, is James Madison, who's now seventh non Penet's GI and has scored his first goal this week. What's really interesting is comparing Raheem Sterling and James Madison so far on a per 90. Yes, uh, you know, health warnings apply um but this year yes we've got um sterling scoring more goals than madison because of the one game but they're actually equal for expected goals and madison's mm. had more shots more shots on target more shots in the box a better assist ratio <laughs> more better expected assists more attempted assists more big chances created than raheem sterling this year so across loads of the analog in inverted commas stats and uh, also in loads of the and also kind of the, on the expected they're kind of you know Quite similar, but Madison is kind of winning out on those sort of in those sort of analog areas. Really nice fixture run for Spurs until November, taking Burnley, Burnley and Sheffield United next two uh, before the international break for a, a trip to Arsenal. Should be goals mm-hmm. in that, to be fair. Home yeah. to Liverpool again should be goals in that, and then three more good games in Luton, Fulham, and Palace. So I think with both of these players and the teams that they're playing for, it goes back to what we were saying way back in preseason about Spurs and Chelsea being very interesting for us in FPL because they haven't got any Europe to worry about. Like you can be expecting them to be playing these guys week in, week out, and if we've identified them as being sort of the attacking threat, creative whatever you want to call it, fulcrum of their team, then it surely makes a lot of sense to buy these talismanic, talismanic characters while they are low-priced. Mm. And, and I think they both have a really good case, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, I can see why, you know, people who are kind of thinking, oh, well, Sterling, yeah, I, he's, a, he's maybe a one-week thing, I need to see more, or maybe you're tripled up on, on Chelsea. I absolutely go for Madison at the moment is, is where I'd be. What are your thoughts on, on that, Sam? It must be quite a tricky one if you're wondering about those two plus Bumo as well and, and yeah. how you kind of make it all work. If if I'd gone for Bumo last week instead of Foden, right now, there would be no doubt in my mind I'd be getting both of these guys this week. That I would 100% be going on both of these because I love the way they're playing at the moment. Madison, we obviously, we've already spoken about Sterling and all, all of his benefits. Madison is running the show for Spurs at the moment. And he's also getting into those advanced roles, almost in that dual nines with um, Richarlison as well. Richarlison's not burying his chances at the moment, but he will get one eventually. Um, spoiler alert to bold claims. Um, he will he will hopefully get one eventually. And when he does, Madison is the one that's laying the ball off to him. So and he was he was quite unlucky not to get one um against Bournemouth as well. He actually had some good footwork to get him in beyond the keeper, and then the defender came around and covered. So Richarlison's returns will come, and Madison will be the one benefiting from that as well. He'll get the assist from that. And also Richarlison is quite good at at dropping deep and playing that dual nine with Madison, giving Madison that that free roam to almost make that late run beyond the defender with Richarlison as the decoy. So goals will come for Madison, like we saw against Bournemouth. That's almost like a case study in what I expect from him in that late run in beating that that defensive line. They're on their hind legs and he's running in behind and beating that trap. So I think returns will continue to come for him and Spurs everything they're doing is going through him in some way, shape or form. And even at Leicester, even when it was a team that wasn't functional in any way whatsoever and they were failing to to get the ball to him, he was still finding ways to create chances and goals out of almost nothing. So I, I want them both. I really, really want them both. And the only thing that might 
put a spanner in that works is the fact I don't have Bumo at the moment and whether or not I against Bournemouth this week I prioritise him a penalty taker a guaranteed penalty taker for Brentford high owned and cheaper than both of these assets is he still a better buy than one of these two players ideally I want all three um, but I'll have to pick two of them I think and at the moment I think it's the two on screen I'd probably go for um, but that might just be shiny new objects like it was with Foden last week. So I'll, I'll have to have a proper think about it. All of this, uh, uh, before we move on to why this differentials, like, I think it speaks to just a, a, what seems to be emerging at the moment, at least as a trend, uh, which maybe is how we're going to be playing for a little while at least. I've been thinking about it a little bit, and I think there's kind of a really decent strategy that could be done here which is just basically using your transfers on midfielders like we've got 3-5-2 at the moment right and say you're kind of thinking well probably won't be selling Saka anytime soon if you own Bruno you probably won't be selling him anytime soon you may not even be selling Rashford anytime soon but that leaves you with maybe two or three slots so obviously we've both sold Bruno so we've got an extra slot there but leaves you with slots to play with at that point, um, you, know, you can leave the leave the defence because most of us are able to pick up a very decent defence, um, and you know, we can just kind of leave that be. Yes, okay, the likes of uh, Arsenal and United. If you own Saliba and Nana and Bryson as well, best opinion. I mean, type of fixtures. You can leave your attack because if you've got Holland and Jackson or Holland and Watkins, you can just kind of leave that and focus your entire def- your kind- entire kind of transfer activity on the midfield because there are just so many options flying around that even if you do get it wrong, you know they're all of a commensurate price range because of the leveling of the price this year. Unless the player that you're looking to buy is called Mo Salah maybe Kevin De Bruyne lays down the line you don't really have a problem in getting rid of a player and the whole thing as I said second third pod back it seems to have just degenerated into when you hop on and when you hop off and keeping your transfers free for that does seem to be the way to do it um, or at least that, that's kind of how it feels to me at the moment with all of these midfielders putting their hands up and with us all many of us in a 3-5-2 um, I think that, that it kind of lends itself uh, to being laissez-faire with our midfielders and having a couple like Saka, like Bruno, that you kind of leave there you're happy, whatever, they'll keep ticking over but with the rest, you know, just if the fixtures are good, get them in what do you think about that? Yeah, at the moment, I'm looking at my team. The forward line picks itself right now. I've got no priorities in manoeuvring Ollie Watkins over to anyone. Defensively, maybe on the horizon, there's a move to a Newcastle asset if you don't already have one. But again, I don't think it's a priority. Botman's gone down injured. Trippier, maybe there's still question marks over whether or not he continuously starts and gets the minutes in the league when he's got Champions League to contend with. And Livramento is... As a Saints fan, I can tell you he's a brilliant, brilliant right back and might even play further forward at times as well. He will get minutes at some point. So Trippier, 6.5, is he going to provide value down the line? I don't know. Um, but that those could be manoeuvres you might want to make at some point in defence. But really, there's there's not too many defenders I'm looking at and thinking, oh, I need to go and get that player right now for the upside, unless you don't already have Chilwell, for instance. A doggy, maybe, but at 4.5, he's always easy to get to. I don't think you need to prioritise it over some of the more explosive picks in the middle. And I I said on one of the preseason pods, try to 
if you've got a, a head-to-head decision to make on who to sell, who to buy that week, try to pick the player that you think has the highest mm. upside. The, the, the decision of most consequence I, or the position of most consequence is usually the route that I would recommend taking because it's going to have the most potential benefit of an impact to your side. In this case, I think more often than not, it will be the midfielders. And when there, there seem to be quite a lot of teams that we can target early on already. So Luton, Sheffield United, Everton, Nottingham Forest, maybe even Wolves. Uh, Brighton, Burnley. Brighton defence looks pretty easy to get through right now. Liverpool defence, I wouldn't be too scared about taking on. A lot of these teams look quite porous at the back. So having midfielders rather than prioritising transfers for midfielders with good game weeks up ahead seems to be a good upside pick, whereas manoeuvring for defences that might only get one clean sheet in three, maybe an attacking uh, an attacking return if you're lucky, doesn't seem like big enough upside for me. So yeah, I if there were more transfers in the forward line to make, then I might recommend doing some there, but it looks like midfielders are where the value is at the moment. And they're, they're all around the same price. So it's easy to hop on, hop off, manoeuvre a mm-hmm. couple of weeks at a time if you're feeling really aggressive you could even look at Jared Bowen for this week yeah, I know, I know one of the that. questions is James Ward-Prowse obviously love him so I, I would not go against that but Jared Bowen looks like more of the goal threat and against the high line well against the high line that they're going to go up against in Liverpool and Man City after Luton that might not even be that bad so you could hop on on the likes of Jared Bowen as a differential and still have plenty of joy. But all of the players that we're recommending at the moment seem to be pretty much midfielders. Absolutely. I think there's only one more that I want to mention, Sam, that you've, you've neglected to mention. It's your, it's your boy. You defended him like your firstborn uh, during the pricing <laughs> pods. Moussa Diaby. There he oh, is. Yeah. Ninth for XGI. Uh, that's mm. a non-pen that is this season. And uh, yeah, he's taking the sheen away from Ollie Watkins. Mm. Um, I know that you know, Villa do have a couple of, on the FDR at least, tricky fixtures. But if you apply your brain to that, you kind of look at it and think, well, yeah, Liverpool away and Chelsea away. Is that really that worrying? No, not really. Oh, and and yeah. to be honest, you, you can hold that this guy up until December. You know, game yeah. 15 when Man City uh, rolled into town, then Arsenal rolled into town the next week in game weeks 15 and 16. And so, you know, it's another long-term pick. And it's it's one where, you know, you almost kind of, if you could, just say, right, FPL, you know what I want to do? I want to get rid of one of my forward slots. You know, I'm happy to give you one of those and I'll take a sit of midfielder. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, you know, it, but it's, it's really bountiful uh, right now in terms of options, isn't it? And mm. I, I guess taking players out um, for a lot of people is, is kind of the other side of it, um, just to kind of round off this kind of midfielder part of these contemplate. I guess, is it is it time for Martinelli to go? Is it time for, for Matoma to go? Where do you stand on that? Those are the two potentially on my chopping block. It feels wrong. I, I'm actually fairly comfortable with selling Matoma. And even though he's been fantastic, he's a quality, quality player. The fixtures do turn a little bit sour now. Um, I think it's Newcastle next up. Um, so... And, and, and also with Matoma, he does look like he's still playing quite wide out on the left. And if the chances, well, if he's not creating the chances for himself, it doesn't look like he's getting given too many 
easy wins to get the goals right now. He's having to create it all himself. And it looks like he's more weighted towards the assists and chance creation as it stands. I have no doubt he'll tick along. And even with bad fixtures, Brighton will score plenty of goals. I'm sure he'll hurt me once or twice in the next few weeks if I do sell him. But the players that I'm looking at bringing in have much better fixtures, are just as involved and in pretty relatively similar looking attacks to Brighton at the moment. It may be a step down, but they're more involved and more central to the point scoring opportunities in those attacks. So I feel fairly comfortable getting rid of Matoma and chancing my arm against those fixtures for Brighton for the next few weeks. And then Martinelli's the one that I'm really 50-50 about at the moment. I think he has been probably the, the main disappointment remaining in my midfield so far this season. He has looked a little bit off it, dare I say. Like, he hasn't looked quite at his best so far. It might be down to the way Arsenal have been playing. He has been out quite wide on the left so far, not really too involved, a bit like Matoma, not too involved in the actual goal threat so far. This fixture coming up against Man United might actually be the one where he is because he does perform really well against the best sides. They will play that high line and Arsenal will try to exploit that with Martinelli's pace. He is usually the one that stays high, operates on the back line and tries to break that with that counter-attack with pace. And I, th I think I have vague memories of him doing it two or three times against the likes of United, possibly Man City in the past as mm. well, and being very highly successful. So it, it feels like it could be potentially a, a mistake or a, a week too early to get rid of Martinelli. But when you look at the players you're bringing in, you want them not only for this week, but for the next few weeks as well. And Martinelli's minutes do start to come into question pretty soon with Champions League coming in. He, he did get a, a good amount of minutes in game week three, but it felt possibly circumstantial because they were trying to make, make sure they won the game. Trossard can play there. Now Jesus is back as well. Maybe Trossard will move over to the left every now and then and get minutes. Probably not start, but get 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. So is he a player that potentially at 8 million might be a little bit too risky to carry when you've got other options like Sterling, like Madison for less and more central to their team's attacking threat? Hmm. Is, is it not the Bruno though? I don't know. I it mean, could be. You don't have the markers quite there with Martinelli. It's 0 0.7 SGI thus far, so he's not performed as much as we'd liked him. We'd have liked him to. Um, Matoma, yep, more of an assister um, thus far. Again, three weeks, blah yada yada, and um, <laughs> kind of down there. And um, just for reference, Sam, how many shots on target has Matoma had this season? Do you think? Uh, I would it be too bold to say one. It is one, yeah, so one shot, right. one yeah, shot, one goal, so. and he did that a lot. He did that a lot last year as well, um, when he was uh, on 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 his uh, on his little streak, um, and uh, I think we were again in a situation where yes, if there's a the, the guy with the dribbling thesis um, dribbles his way through and, and has a go and fair play, but I think there's probably in, enough doubt versus the two guys that we've kind of highlighted here to think, yeah, okay, maybe maybe you'd be all right given the fixtures being what they are and Brighton mm. also well, I mean 
we saw it last year, you know, with the game against Everton, for example, that there are some times when Brighton do come unstuck. But you've got Newcastle and Man United the next two, and then you've got uh, Bournemouth, which is a good game in game week six at the moment on paper, and then you've got Villa, Liverpool, and Man City game week seven till nine, and then they run to Kvitsky in game week ten. So maybe maybe this again is, is another example of when you kind of utilise what I said about just focusing on the transfers on midfield when a player does come into a good run, get them in whatever but if they are kind of coming out yes okay they've, they've done well for you there's this that and the other but there's other players who may be better value at that moment in time uh, over the course of the season we will sure see but in the moment of time if you're just kind of forecasting what's going to happen over a, a very short period which is obviously quite a noisy thing to do you might be able to kind of think okay i'll be all right uh, you know i I've, i'm i'm happy with the decision that i'm making here uh, versus maybe one like bruno where maybe we probably did do a bit of a whoopsie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to round up this section overall, it sounds like we're both sort of um, mostly pro-template-ish if we're counting uh, Mr. Sterling and Mr. Madison as the two guys who are pro-template this week. And that's absolutely fine. You know, at, at, Later on in the season, there's going to be points where you're kind of like, oh yeah, well, this guy's scored this week. I don't think that that is probably going to be important for future returns, but... You know, Early on, it is a lot, a lot, a very vibe worthy. It's just trying to be obviously be careful about what you're doing and kind of asking yourself the questions that maybe we should have asked ourselves last week a little bit more um, regarding these players. But I'm slightly more happy with Martinelli and Matoma, even bearing in mind the negative experience I've, we, we've both just had as selling a, a midfielder electively. And um, I think I'm a little bit happier to sell those two um, than perhaps I should have been to sell Bruno. And Chelsea in general, I mean, very short and sweet. Um, does one swallow make a summer with a victory versus lose? And I mean, I think it's just a case of back in the fixtures, isn't it, Sam? Like, they're, they're, they're ideal for a team that's looking to gel. And to mm. be fair, most people have doubled up, uh, tripled up anyway. And it's just us who are here saying saying about them. So, yeah, I think, I think it's probably all right, isn't it? Yeah, agreed. I think fixtures can breed form. They look like a side with a plan. And even though they're just getting to know each other, I think the signs are there that they're going to be a pretty decent force this season. They've got a lot of quality players in there and the fixtures ahead are the ideal ones to help them settle down, learn what makes them tick. And having having two, maybe even three of them seems like a pretty good idea. If you're not already on Jackson, then I'd highly recommend having a look at Sterling very seriously now instead of Jackson, potentially. Perfect. So uh, the, the other thing that, as I mentioned earlier on, you may have some questions about likes of Nana, likes of Saliba. I know that Gab- there's a few questions on Gabriel that we got earlier on. Um, Hindi Monkey, who asked us lo- another question, um, said, you know, should I hit out Gabriel at the moment? I-, I wonder whether it is probably time to bite the bullet on a player like that. So you may be thinking, you know, what, what do I do? Um, only a few weird people are looking at selling a goalkeeper. It's something that was in mind for me, but I think that's probably not going to happen. I think I'm just going to leave Anana in because you know, from game week six onwards, Man United fix gets better again. He, he does get saves. Um, very mm. unlucky, but I, I think the two Forest goals were both sort of, you know, very sort of like on another day, those don't happen sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you are looking to sell, sell a Saliba, um, <laughs> we always have to come back to how good Man City defensively are, don't we? Yeah. So uh, for any of you listening to the pod, I've just switched over to the top five defences in terms of XGC so far. Obviously, 
Again, three game weeks in, very little we can really read into this, except Man City have got half the XGC of any other team already this season. So it's following the trends that we know from season past, from seasons past, 1.29 XGC so far overall. So over three game weeks, they barely conceded one XGC overall, which is ridiculous. Obviously, they've had good fixtures, but still, like one of those fixtures was still against Newcastle. They they have been good. Yeah. And they brought in Vardiol as well. So they should be, if anything, tighter than we've seen before. The next closest um, for anyone listening in on the pod is Brentford at 2.53, followed closely behind with Arsenal 2.76. Crystal Palace and Chelsea make up the top five. Both of those have an XGC of over three. So just over a goal a game on average, you'd expect them to concede. But yeah, Man City are the talk of the town. Obviously, fairly unlucky to concede against Sheffield United. That would have been three in three for clean sheets. Um, but yeah, uh, it's whether or not we think they'll provide value. And as we know with Man City, all of the bonus points tends to go to the players scoring all the goals. So are we happy with 2.6 points, 6.6 points, 2 points with any yeah. of these City defenders, goalkeepers? And would we prioritise bringing them in ahead of the likes of a Saliba, for instance? <laughs> Gabriel, probably quite an easy one at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, long-term Edison owners uh, at the end of last season will tell you that there's definitely a concentration problem with Man City a little bit. Um, and I think that that's kind of what we saw against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United to some extent. Mm. Um, but overall, the odds are always in your favour of getting a Man City clean sheet. Um, and I think that that's kind of, if you do have a Gabriel and you're looking to sell them on, and you're probably looking at, um, it's, it's very unsexy, you're probably looking at Ruben. If you want to save some money, you go for Guardiola and you know, maybe get the update from Stones, uh, on Stones from from Pep or uh, Lilo, I think it will be, um, mm. come this weekend in Spanish. Um, but I, I think that that's probably where you go. I wouldn't, so looking at looking at the data that you pulled here, Sam, yes, okay, it's three game weeks. Um, but Arsenal in third, again, last year, fairly decent, especially the first half of the season. A um, bit of an aberration to some extent against Fulham, you know, the first goal, which is obviously a, a horrible mistake. The second goal, perhaps kind of, you know, the sort of goal you'd expect to concede something kind of three or four times out of ten but the yeah. first goal was just a horrible mistake really so maybe you kind of have a little bit of faith in the likes of uh, likes of Saliba um, maybe people looking selling us the opinion maybe uh, Bryson have obviously not been as you referenced earlier the best <laughs> picture of solidity at the back um, but mm. you've got still the that sort of you know dual thing of covering a defensive something if they do keep a clean sheet and also you've got the attacking returns for Estepinian who does often end up on the on, on the penalty spot unaccountably yeah. when they're going forward so there you go I, I think Brentford is interesting though um, if you mm. are looking to kind of maybe set a goalkeeper and maybe Flecken's the man you go for and um, be yeah, for the next four at least which are very good for Man City and um, obviously this weekend you've got the Fulham game and then you've got uh, West Ham away in five or second in the table at the moment Sam so you mm. never know and Kudus is there and Nottingham Forest in sixth and Wolves in seven so maybe you know you'd be you'd be kind of have a decent-ish expectation of um, you know, 24 points if you did get a defensive player in. Uh, but I do think, Sam, there is one player that is currently nestled on your bench um, that a lot of people are looking at. Gone up to 4.6 now. Um, yeah. a, few re- a few really good points that are made out there. So um, Philip Novak, um, uh, who I reposted his tweet uh, earlier on, or his ex earlier, I'm not sure what it is these days, um, he will be coming on the pod at some point this year. Um, he noted that um, Udogi's uh, Pembox involvement at Udinese 
Fuzzy uh, was highly encouraging, as we saw um, writ large in the Bournemouth game. And FPL Zhao, uh, Joe, um, he also mentioned that um, Udogi and Estepinion have really good rotation, actually, um, for quite a long time where you can just use the two interchangeably, which is something that you've kind of got now, actually, because you've got a yeah. doggy on your bench. Inadvertently. But by mistake, you're a genius, Sam. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got two games for a doggy, but Burnley and Sheffield United, where you can play him, bench uh, opinion for Newcastle Man United, first opinion for Bournemouth, choose one next week. And then it sort of goes on from there, where you can kind of mix and match between the two. I hate defensive rotations. I hate having a player on the bench who... You know, could be in the starting eleven. I hate having to make that decision, so that's not for me. But for you, maybe that could be something to consider. And do you think that he, oddly, might be a player that people should be considering, especially if you're, um, you know, maybe in your situation, you're. It might be a case of kind of thinking, you know, what I can might be able to leave Madison because a doggy may cover the attack. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so ropey doesn't it yeah i hadn't really thought about it like that but you you might have a point like he is getting into those advanced roles he's also like, inverting quite heavily so he's getting into those midfield positions where actually you'd expect you'd expect madison to operate as well so maybe there's an argument to say you could cover him to some extent i haven't really thought about it that way to be honest at this point and also i hadn't really even thought about rotation with estepinian necessarily with a doggy to start with, it was a little bit of an upside punt. I, I saw his data at Udinese. He played, was touted as quite an advanced left back and obviously a 4.5 million starting defender for a team of Spurs quality is a good a good team to be targeting anyway. So I was happy enough to just have him sat first on my bench for most weeks when it got to game week three, four and five, when the fixtures turned really good, I was going to start looking at whether or not he could come in. For me this week, he's probably coming in for Saliba. Obviously, Man United, not a great chance of a clean sheet. It could happen, but Saliba is also a player with very limited attacking upside. A doggy, two promoted fixture, two promoted sides in the next two fixtures as well. He will be starting probably in both of those game weeks for me now. And I have no hesitation in starting him over a superior defence in Arsenal, but a defence that I'd expect to concede in game week four. Um, in terms of rotation with Estepinian, I'm I'm not that sure about ever really benching a player with that much attacking upside. So Estepinian, even against the likes of Newcastle, I think will get forward, will have plenty of opportunities for more likely assists and goals. But he's <laughs> he often does find himself in almost striker-like positions as Deserby has mentioned in press conferences past as well. So I'm always a little bit nervous ever leaving him on the bench, even with poor fixtures to come. So I think for me, a doggy is more a 12th man than a, a significant rotation with Estepinian. But with Arsenal's fixtures to come, it means I don't need to rush a move to get rid of Saliba. I can give it a couple of weeks and have a think about a Newcastle asset in game week six, for instance, and just leave Saliba on the bench for the next couple. As I as I, I brilliantly bought George, George Baldock at Sheffield United for this exact reason, Sam, because this mm. week I don't have to play Saliba. I can play George. No, not, yeah, not, well, I'm not even going <laughs> to pretend that. I'm not even pretend that. But yes, um, I, I think they, they, it certainly makes a lot of sense um, to do so. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting idea. Um, I think rotation is. Uh, utter dross um but you know it's an interesting idea when people do look at it it's like you know 
discovering patterns if you're a child. Mm. Ah, well, there we go. Uh, shall we uh, move on to bold claims and the exciting news that somebody has gotten off the board? Yeah, yeah. Finally, we've got a winner. Um, <laughs> no, it's not one of us. It's, n- it's not. It's not going to be one of us. So we're both on zero. But the community have come through with a winner. It was. Uh, I can't remember who actually put out. Was it Dave? Uh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he. Uh, astutely said Rashford and Bruno sellers to get what they deserve. I think we can confidently say that we did. Um, and even though that could be abstract, maybe he meant that they deserve success for selling them. I, I think we interpreted that it as the that's, both. That's what, that's, what, that's what he said. He was keeping it quite deliberately beige and vague. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can work either um, way. Yeah, we'll, so we'll we, we interpreted it as they both haul. Um, obviously, both of them got two attacking returns each. 19 points between them i think in the end so i think we can confidently say that that was a success they did give us what we deserve to any sellers out there so yeah listeners are on the board uh we are now playing catch up against you guys out there so shall we move on to our game week four bold claims which might be a little bit less bold than normal because we're desperate to get on the board i was just gonna say that even if we had um let Dave's CZs be kind of interpreted another way. The second, we've got a shout out uh, John O'Forward here, uh, whose bold, bold claim for the week was our knee matches Holland's points total. <laughs> so yes, mm. um, I think I think there was either way we were screwed. Really, we yeah. Calvin, last week the claims were for you and me. Calvin Morris scores versus Chelsea. Nope, and also Arsenal hit five plus versus Fulham, which was nope. This week, I think yeah. we have yes maybe gone from the bold to the beige haven't we <laughs> a little bit more so yeah but considering the amount that we're all having a dig at the likes of richardson in the community at the moment i think my claim is maybe medium on the spice charts um we'll see um but richardson to open his account so score against burnley this week so he's been off to a bit of a rough start but i think the returns are coming and i think against burnley like I mentioned with Madison as well earlier on in the pod, I think they will benefit from because Burnley weirdly are playing quite a high line and Madison and Richarlison should hopefully benefit from that. Madison, I think, is going to score well, but Richarlison should also benefit from that too. So I'm going with Richarlison to finally score his opening goal of the season against Burnley this week. I think I'm more on the lemon and herb uh, side. <laughs> Of, of of the spice scale, uh, I've gone for Everton failing to score versus Sheffield United. I, I thought they would. Admittedly, Man City is one of those games where you have to really set up in a certain way. But I thought they were defensively fairly sound, which is again maybe what they're going to have to major on in order to stay up. You know, have that sort of defensive solidity, and then hope to get a goal like Hamer's goal the other week in Sunshine Forest and like the goal that Bogle scored this week. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think that they, against a fairly toothless Everton, um, I think that there's a good chance of them keeping a clean sheet against against the Toffees this week. So I'm, I'm back in the blades. I'm not sure whether I will be playing Sa- uh, Baldock over <laughs> um, um, over, over Mr. Saliva. Um, but, you know, um, it's one where I, I'm happy to back it in bold claims. And if I do end up playing uh, Baldock over Saliva, it's probably one of those where I'm glad that the deadline game is on uh, Friday and I won't be kind of looking at it drunkenly on Friday night. Just mm. you know, 
in my rule, Sam. If if I wake up that team on Saturday, that's the team I end up with. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think I think that that will probably be it. But yeah, um, we've got a few community candidates this week to to look over, um, mm-hmm. and we've got to kind of try to pick one out. There, there are a few really good ones. So we've already mentioned one, um, FPL Matt uh, said Bowen outscores all the other mid- all the other mids this week. I think that that's probably quite viable. Is it mm-hmm. bold? Beige, I'm, I don't know, Matt. I think we're again looking towards the Magnolia level of the mm. of everything. To outscore all mids, though, all that's mids. quite that's I, hard. I, I'm interested in that one. Uh, Planet mm. Sky, Ian Parrin. I like this one. Obviously, uh, hi, Ian. Yeah, a big Sky player. Uh, 80% of game week four fixtures are home wins. I mean, that could be that's quite that's again quite spicy. I like that one. Quickly checked all the home fixtures this week. Hang on. Yeah, they are interesting. That's an interesting one. And Nathan, okay. uh, Villa smashed Liverpool, Anfield, uh, Diaby and Watkins Hall. He does own both of them. So, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, he did listen to you, Sam, and bought Diaby in early doors. If um, only I listened to me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Joshua, Joshua Biggs, United to beat Arsenal comfortably. Boo! Here's Joshua. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, that's another one. And uh, Garnell. Uh, simply Gabriel back in the Arsenal 11 which probably is similar to your one on Rashala Simmons kind of like on paper not particularly bold but actually if you look at the kind of the wider discourse it might actually be quite bold yeah <laughs> um, yeah so I mean, what do you think of all those I, I'm quite like I, I think it might be between sorry to the others I think it might be between Ian um, on the 80% of home wins and uh, Matt's Bowens mm. which, which, which one do you kind of lean towards I quite, I quite like the Bowen one. I know I know you're I know it's probably not bold on the face of it because he probably will do well against Luton. But to outscore Ooh, all of these mids. mids when a lot of them have some really good fixtures this week. Yeah. Man, the mids could do really well against Fulham. Raheem Sterling against Nottingham Forest, Madison against Burnley. Obviously, you've always got Salah in the mix as well. The Man United and Arsenal assets could do well. Like, there's a lot of competition there. Foden as well versus Fulham, right? Yeah, Foden against Fulham. Uh, Yeah, I bloody hope he starts. Um, But yeah, if he does, I I am pretty confident of a haul there. So yeah, I think I think that's bold enough. Um, and we always like seeing the community score points. So I'd be happy with that. I also don't mind the look of the eighty percent um, home win. So I, I my vote's probably for Bowen. Okay, let's let's just go with that. We'll go with that this week. Cool. cool. Excellent. Right, a, a few questions to round off the pods um, at the hour now, which is quite a good time to start the questions. Mm-hmm. Hindu Monkey, he of comp- copy and pasting fame, uh, mentioned value um, this week already with Sterling and Madison and just a general midfield glut of uh, yeah, happiness when it comes to spending not very much money. Uh, he said, do you honestly expect value to play a role this season? Uh, typically losing 0.1 million on a player is worth as much as a hit early on. There's that old, that old thing, wasn't it? 0.1 to 0.5 at the start of the season. So you don't want to snooker yourself. You want to kind of get those players in. Mm. But he says, with, with everything going on this year, with the pricing and come double season, uh, will we end up sitting on a slosh fund of those cheap players? Like, What do you think about that? Do you think that pricing's been taken out of the equation? That's something that we've spoken about a fair bit, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think for the time being relatively speaking it has but I think it only takes one Salah Hall and all of a sudden it's not again so I think even though it doesn't seem that relevant right now come game week is it six or seven Liverpool's fixtures start looking really positive again even as soon as then it might start becoming an issue for those of us who haven't 
save that money or, or caught a couple of those rises i personally always go late with my moves unless i'm going to be locked out of a very specific move i really am desperate to make so i'm usually the one that will suffer more than most if this were to happen but i, I do think money is important it's not important right now but having that rainy day fund building and making sure that by the time liverpool become an, an entity again that we are keen on owning that's that's when we're going to want that money. And Mark, obviously, Black Box, has already been talking. He's a Salah owner and his manoeuvres at the moment are a lot more restricted because he's got Salah in the side. So we can already, through watching that, I can almost see our futures of having this restricted path when we eventually do inevitably have Salah, as long as he doesn't actually go off to Saudi Arabia, which I don't think is going to happen realistically this summer. Um so, yeah, I think eventually it will be important and therefore every price rise and every fall is already important. It will only pay dividends in a few game weeks time, I think. Yeah, you're right. I, I think price doesn't matter until it does. Which is, yeah. I'm sure something you've been told in your life, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Until matter. He, <laughs> he doesn't matter until he actually does. Um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely. I, it, uh, I mean, you, this, this year with the leveled pricing, you need a pretty extreme set of circumstances for it to really matter. I mean, even though Mark is potentially looking at kind of one or two moves, it probably isn't that bad. But this year, if you get Salah, Trent, Trippier, on top of Haaland being in the zeitgeist, suddenly there we do have a problem. Yeah. And suddenly those people who did move on a Monday night for a player and um, have gotten, you know, say, say you bought Sterling and Madison in this week, and they end up on 0.3 by the end of the week, then maybe you are kind of in hay. But at the moment, given the fact that you, know, you can take the example of Salah, right? Yes, so Salah, obviously, a guarantor of minutes at the moment. It's what we know now. But by game week six, when we've got more information, more data, we know we can see how Klopp is going to sort it out. You could have Diaz or Jota are a lot cheaper you could have a uh, support again much cheaper uh, or even darwin could come into the equation mm. um so you could you've always got information that you kind of would you want to bet against salad maybe not because of kind of a legacy kind of thing going on there but you do have other options that could sort of emerge during that time frame if there is that kind of extreme set of six circumstances where those guys are all rotated all the time and you need salad then yeah, we've got a bit of a problem. And then if you've got, right, okay, Trent's now back to his best, then you've got a serious problem. And then Trippier comes in, Livermento gets injured again or something like that, then you've yeah. got a real problem. Um, so yeah. it doesn't matter to what it does. At the moment, it's a very sort of, um, yeah, as, as what we know now, Hindi Monkey, completely right, um, that value might not play a role this season and that the, the kind of the main focus is going to be about hopping on and off players. It's just... It, it's hard to navel gaze what will happen going forward when those good fixtures come for Liverpool, when those kind of key men do come to the fourth Liverpool, who are both the pricey ones, and we, we both love the fact the play they were priced quite highly, especially Trent. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we, I'm kind of just hoping that when that does happen, uh, someone like Diaz Jota does fit into that sort of nice sort of midfield roll on roll off 
stratagem that I mentioned earlier on. But yeah, really yeah. interesting question. I think it's when you've got to keep tabs on and see how it emerges and maybe we'll kind of come back to it. Ask us again, I think, in like, yeah. you know, by kind of game week nine or 10. <laughs> Does value still matter this season? After Now we are all own Salah, we all own Trent, and we're all kind of scratching around for 4.5 million midfielders who may play once or twice as our first sub. Yeah, uh, the last thing I would say on that, actually, it's always nice to have a couple million extra for a bench boost. Like when it when it comes, having one or two million extra, if you hit those rises early, having that on your bench, just waiting for a, a better bench boost rather than having a four million defender could be really helpful. So worst case scenario, it's it's helpful for one game week at least. Well, this year's gonna be it sounds like thirty seven's the big one. And that's mm. gonna be one where you're probably arguably looking at the relegation fighters, you know, people who are trying to get into the conference league or something like that. I, I hopefully the, the the upside the upside chaser would be hoping that uh, the league isn't sewn up yet and that those two last two games are gonna be like pivotal. So regardless of other responsibilities, you know, teams like Liverpool, like Newcastle, just playing their first team because they've got to win. I mean that's what mm-hmm. you're kind of hoping for. But uh, that's a problem for future Sam and future Tom still with us. <laughs> <laughs> bench boosts and tack. Uh, if you've done well uh, on your bench boost, fair play. I know James from Planet FPL did do that. Uh, FPL stomach. If Botman is out for a long time, are we down on Newcastle's defence? And does that mean we look at their attackers instead when it comes to it in game week? I think it's game week six. Yeah. Um, interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, just to read out, reel out the fixtures very quickly. Uh, they've got Brighton and Brentford next. So both teams that a lot of people do have coverage for. Um, so maybe you would intellectually you don't really want kind of to buy a player that your other your team is kind of fa- players in your team are facing. I don't think like you wouldn't want to buy like an Isaac this week because you may own his opinion. Brighton as well. You probably don't want to buy a Newcastle defender because you, you may well own him Bumo. Uh, but after that game week six onwards, they come into a, a fairly decent run. So Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham, Crystal Palace and Wolves. So again, on the table at the same time Liverpool are, maybe a decent kind of uh, wildcard time then. You never know. What did you make of Newcastle at the moment, Sam? Uh, are, you, are you rushing to pick them up? I wouldn't say rushing, no. Um, they're definitely catching my eye enough to make me think around game week six they'll be interesting Trippier is the one that I'm most interested in if Botman's back by then then obviously that bolsters them defensively and I'll have less concerns I think the secondary concern we already mentioned earlier on in the pod is minutes in regards to Trippier so we'll know more by then as well hopefully regarding whether Livermento is going to get some minutes off of him um so, yeah, I th- I'm kind of saving or trying to save some money for that Trippier move from the likes of a Saliba around game week six. But I'm not locking that in as a future move at the moment because there are those question marks over Newcastle uh, and the way they'll set up beyond game week six. And if Botman's out injured, it does, it will have a negative impact. How much is up for debate, but they're still going to be a good defence. It's just whether or not they're a good enough defence to jam in a trippier at 6.5 million or ideally if botman's back at 4.5 million hopefully even cheaper by that point 4.4 4.3 that would actually be a really simple move so i i'd be more tempted with that attacking like in in terms of like the attackers isaac is a phenomenal player but he gets minutes taken off of him by wilson 
probably slightly too regularly for my liking. And even when he stays on the pitch alongside Wilson, he usually takes up a, a wing spot rather than playing in a dual striker role. So yep. not not convinced on him yet. I think by game week six, maybe I will be. Gordon looks brilliant at the moment, but yep. Barnes is going to take minutes off of him. Um, Almiron, maybe on the right, but I'm not overly convinced. And again, maybe even the likes of Livramento steals minutes from him at some point as, yeah. as a player who can play right wing. There's not too many players there going forward that I'd be hugely convinced by right now. Yeah. Um, Botman, Trippier are probably the two that I'd eyeball. Maybe even Pope. If Anana's still flattering to deceive, he could be an option. Um, yeah. But for now, it's very much a watching brief and I'll see where the land lies in game week six after the Brighton and Brentford games, which I think will have goals in them. Yeah, you've got to chuck in the the Champions League as well mm. with the depth, the depth of their squad now, which is it's just fairly decent, especially in the areas as you've mentioned that you really want to be investing in. Yeah. So if you get if you get Isaac, as you said, what's to say that they've had a really tough game on the Wednesday or Tuesday night in Champions League, and Wilson might play play sixty minutes in that game? Like the, even the Sky Sports commentators were being like, "Oh, you know, the, the well known kind of swap that's happening, or Isaac's coming off for Wilson. This is exactly what we'd expect to happen around now." Um, and it's, it's, I think there's going to be a bit of a headache there and maybe a bit like Pep Roulette, you may see it as being like, you know what, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy to just, just step out of the Tyndall tarot. Um, <laughs> cause Eddie Howe's not in charge, is he? It's Jason Tyndall. And mm-hmm. you know, it's the, the Tyndall tarot is just not for me. Um, uh, you mentioned Botman, you mentioned maybe like someone like, I don't know, uh, Fabian Shah historically has done pretty well uh, for Newcastle, getting a few sort of interesting goals <laughs> last year at the end. Uh, mm. Or maybe it is, as you said, the case of just kind of jamming in Nick Pope and seeing what happens because you, you know that he's going to be playing. It's just whatever the hell happens with the rest of them. I think maybe defence is the way to go. It's kind of like proto-Pep when the mm. Pep roulette was all matured in the attack. The defence was fairly solid, so maybe it would be the defence. I mean, it's one of those where... Um, we'll have to see how it how it evolves, as Sam mentioned. Mm. Um, related, to the, related to this sort of maybe FPL Gills, your views on the best five million mids. So, kind of my initial sort of answer for that was well, Anthony Gordon, but he's five point five. Mm. I don't know. It, it's a very it's, it's a proper. I'm not entirely sure where this question uh, particularly originates from. Maybe it's kind of making moves and needing to spend like a certain amount. I mean, if, if you're playing with a player who's 5 million in midfield, just go down to 4.5 and kind of yeah. play a defender who's playing your doggy over that player. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's a one-week thing, then fine. Um, but you, you've got to kind of have an idea of kind of eventually shoring up that spot that that guy always needs to be your kind of your, your 12th man. Yeah. Um, maybe like Papsar um, at Spurs at 4.5 is probably the one to go with. Mm. The, the best guy to come up with at five was Gustavo Hamer. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good pick. Just one of those who's going to come through every now and again. Um, mm. If he does start David Brooks um, at uh, at Bournemouth, my fellow fellow Hodgkin's survivor, a good man. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it, it's, it's slim pickings. Um, so you don't want to be, you don't, you just don't want to be kind of relying on a player of that that price point. I don't think that's, that's yeah. fair enough with that one. Uh, final one, uh, your aunties, uh, your aunties, I should say. <laughs> Would you keep Gabriel knowing he'll drop in price uh, to have two free transfers over the international break in a couple of weeks? 
Um, with a player like this, um, we mentioned mentioned this sort of earlier on in the defence, and but I think just kind of widening it out to be if there's a player knowing they're going to drop in price, knowing that there's some question marks about them, I think maybe that kind of feeds into what you were saying earlier on, but uh, earlier on, Sam, about kind of the weakest link and fixing that. Yeah, yeah, I think with Gabriel, three game weeks is probably just too much at this point. Like, I still can't work out why he wouldn't start the next week. Like, I, I think he should start against Man United, but Arteta, I thought he should start against Fulham and I thought he should start the week before that as well. So there's something going on there. And I know there's a tactical tweak going on that would mean that potentially his place isn't as secure, but he's still a good enough centre-back and they've got injuries that would, in other in other, in other years gone by and in other systems, they would just revert back to what they know and what worked last year. And because they've not easily done that, it makes me think that he's just continuously going to be at risk. So at this point, I think he is a weakest link in any side. At some point, he'll start games again and it'll be annoying when you sell him and he eventually does start again. But at this point, I think the price drops, the fact that there are other 4.5 million defenders that you can drop down to save a little bit of money still whilst you get still got the chance to and capitalise with some attacking upside like a doggy, like a cash even at 4.5. I think it's a, a pretty simple move at this point, to be honest, and just get it done, rip the Band-Aid off and then yeah. open up an Arsenal spot, which at some point you're going to want to use anyway. So look yeah. at it that way. It's one of those where you've got a transfer that's kind of waiting to happen. And sometimes you can kind of happily maroon them at the third bench. Mm. Um, so if you have a gusto or something, that can last for a couple of weeks and so on and so forth. And if it is kind of mission critical that you're going to be down to 10 players, then maybe I'd do it. But uh, I don't know. I think you can kind of... It depends on when you're going to wildcard, I think. I think there's definitely scope to think, yeah, okay. But a lot of, for me, kind of, intuitively I've penciled in game week eight uh, when Arsenal play City as being the, the kind of time when I wild card but from the discussion tonight I've started to kind of think you know what when Newcastle and, and Liverpool have both started to get good fixtures around game week six so maybe that's the time so mm. maybe I should kind of reorient a little bit with my moves now and kind of be more kind of short term Um, it might be worth kind of thinking about that going forward and kind of where you're going to do it Um, but yes I think overall Standard practice is that, as Sam said, rip the rip the bandaid off, just deal with it. Unless you can kind of manage your way through the situation over the next few weeks, because money doesn't matter too much, and that that kind of is a kind of a, a sentiment echoed in Hindu Monkey's question. Like in days gone by, you'd have needed that one million from Gabriel to have the rest of your eleven looking great. Now mm. you you kind of deal with it and have him just kind of sat on your bench for a little bit. The problem is, is if you kind of think, you know, I want to play this guy week to week. I and mean, then it's kind of a bit of a, is he going to play or is he not? And you've three out of three, you've got an L on that sort of proposition. So, yeah, it, it really depends on the team situation. Um, but with a player like Gabriel, I'd be tempted to, if, if I haven't got bigger fish to fry, just get rid of him. Yeah, agreed. Right. Transfers and captains. Let's do it. So it's uh, your team up first. But again, we're pretty similar teams at the moment. The one exception is Mbwemo instead of Foden in the starting 11. Um, where I think you've still got two free transfers for this week. So uh, where are you thinking of using them at this point? So I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately now uh, a step ahead of you having a, a bought in Bumo this week. 
and it really is depending on where I focus my transfer. So FPL Review, which I do use, and those people don't like it, um, but FPL Review has kind of said Matoma to Sterling. I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I think that's probably where I'll go uh, come uh, Friday. I'm going to wait till the end of the press conferences to try to instill that kind of uh, po- uh, those sort of good practices in my kind of thing. I know they're both. I think they're both going to looking to rise tonight. Sterling and maybe uh, Madison, who's the other guy I'm looking at. So Madison from Arsenal is the other move that I'm going to I'm really looking at I do have some questions about the Man Ice defence so Nana versus Arsenal I do have some questions about keeping Saliba as well um, but I, I think the SGC for Arsenal does make me think you know what would probably be alright um, I'm assuming Nana uh, will face a lot of shots against Arsenal and I'm hoping that they're going to shore up against those kind of stupid mistakes they made against Forest so I think it is probably at the moment going to be Matoma and Marcinelli out um, for the moves that you described as the ones you definitely do if you were in my situation. Mm. Um, Madison and Sterling. Again, I know that's kind of fairly template, but I'm I'm quite happy with doing that at the moment. Keep plodding along. Um, and I think, I, I think that's kind of where I'm going to go. Uh, we'll see where, where I am come Friday, but I think that's kind of looking like it. I know the defence is looking amazing. I've got Nana and Saliba, as mentioned. I've got also got opinion um, against Newcastle but it is what it is I mean you know, it, with the strategy that I mentioned earlier about just focusing on the midfield for, 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 for transfers I'm happy to sort of kind of give a go give that a go over the next few weeks and see where I end up I think I'll do two free transfers this week and then next week probably try to roll it and have two free transfers uh, over the international break because I always just feel like it's a good insurance policy uh, especially with the amount of games and the amount of game time we're seeing this year, it might be worth just having that in the bag. But yeah, I think that's where I'm going at the moment. Mm-hmm. We'll see, I think that's where we're at. And the Hall and Captain, of course. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds boring, quite similar at the moment. Obviously, I've got in my 11 Foden instead of Embuemo, and I've got Saliba on the bench, uh, with a doggy starting. So that's the, the two different is in our starting 11 at the moment uh, i think matoma is on the chopping block for me um i haven't decided which of sterling or madison i more highly uh, uh uh value bringing in first so i'm not sure i'm ready to jump the price rises and do it tonight i'll probably wait for more data and obviously they're playing midweek both teams in in the cup so um i might wait for that information like i mentioned last week i, I really value that sort of information and because of what happened with Foden most recently last week, knowing that a player is fit to start feels quite important to me right now with that very recently in my, in my memory. So waiting a little bit longer. Uh, I won't be priced out of it if I move Matoma and Martinelli out for Madison and Sterling. But then I've also got the question mark of Mbwemo as well. So I need to pick two of those three. And I think that the two to go would probably be Martinelli and Matoma. There is an outside chance I roll the second one and leave Martinelli in against United. Like I mentioned earlier, I do think he stands a decent chance of breaking that high line, getting attacking returns against them. But his underlying data hasn't looked great. I don't think it's quite the same situation as Bruno last week where Bruno's data was looking fantastic and he was involved in everything they were doing. Martinelli hasn't quite looked that yet for Arsenal. So I'm a little yeah. bit less scared of making that move, but it is quite nice having those two free transfers if I'm not completely set on which players to bring in this week. 
But I, I really like the look of both Madison and Sterling's immediate game week fixture in game week four. But then also the long term for the next four or five game weeks, I want them in for that stretch too. So, yeah, yeah, I think as it stands, probably those two as well. Um, but Embuemo will be highly considered as well. And I might end up having him instead of one of the most likely most likely for Madison, I think, at this point. So I'd keep the Sterling transfer to, so I have that Chelsea coverage. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll make my mind up later on in the week. But it will be almost certainly two of those three, as long as injuries don't play a part. Yeah, that sounds good. And you've got a, a doggy uh, playing over Sleeve. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, there's, there's a temptation uh, to, to uh, I know I was joking earlier on, but to, to play Baldock. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Claim. I can see it. I can see it. And FL Review actually does tell me to do exactly that. Mm. <laughs> so I've, I've been thinking about it, but I think that it's one of those, I'm a bit of an EO coward. Um, so maybe yeah. a, a, there's a situation where um, Arsenal do keep a clean sheet for whatever reason. If it does end up being a nil-nil, for example, uh, that maybe I'd be. Uh, I, I just kind of want that to happen. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's one of those I'll, I'll consider, but I, I think it's very unlikely. Whereas with a doggy, I think you've got a much better chance of at least getting an attack in return out of him against Burnley, given the positions he was taking up. As you mentioned earlier on. Mm. Cool. I, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. So thank you everyone so much for listening once again. Uh, We were Who Got the Assist. You can find us online, so on Twitter or X at WGTA underscore FPL, or you can find me on my personal account at FPL Pricey. Again, I'm the same exact handle on Instagram and threads as well. And you can find the main account at WGTA.FPL on Instagram and threads, as I mentioned. If you enjoyed the pod, as always, we'd really appreciate it if you could do one or ideally all of the following including following us on those socials i just mentioned giving the pod a five-star rating wherever you're listening to us or if you're watching on youtube giving a like on the video and maybe even subscribing if you're enjoying our content would be highly appreciated it really does help get the pod out there it does indeed well thank you sam we hope we assist you this week let's see if we do get those midfield picks within our teams and then next we come back and be like why did we sell marcinelli and matoma they've got both got double digit holes uh that's fpl for you speak to you next week take care you too oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.